This week on the Back Table Podcast. You know, it's like the first time you used it, was it difficult or tricky? Was there anything tricky about it? Or was it, um, you know, just straightforward, like somebody walked you through it and it was, you know, you saw one, you did one, you taught one kind of thing. That's the way the angio seal really is. We talk closure devices with Dr. Aaron Fritz and Dr. Chris Beck, in particular the angio seal and the minx. I'm your host, Anish Parikh, Managing Director of TEC, the startup studio that has helped bring Backtable to life. I'd like to welcome Dr. Chris Beck and Dr. Aaron Fritz today. Guys, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Anish. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. So, guys, let's get right into it. Aaron, how did you start using the Angio Steel? And Chris, how did you start using the Manx? Okay. You can go for well, it. Well, the Angio Steel is all we used in fellowship, really. Uh, we didn't have any other options. And the one thing about the Andrew Seal is it's like widely available. I mean, almost every lab has Andrew Seal in stock, uh, and so that's why it's my go-to because a I learned on it, and b it's just always there, so I don't have to. I'm not like forced to try something different. Um, and so you know, they, I think they've been a, done a good job, you know, making it ubiquitous. Uh, and so that's that's why I use it. For me, uh, the Minx is what we used um, almost exclusively at our main lab, at our main campus, where we did a majority of the training. And so, you know, the comfort level with the Minx was at a pretty high level. And, you know, just coincidentally, the, the places that I rotate around in New Orleans, um, all of them carried the, the Minx in stock. It's strange. I mean, it kind of one of the places that I, I rotate through uh, a good amount is is you know primarily a cardiology lab. And one of the cardiologists wanted the minks. He never uses it. But then you know I turned I, I came up you know two years ago, and so they almost just keep it in stock for me and then one of my other younger partners. Um, but but Aaron's right. Like Angioseal is is pretty ubiquitous. You can find it in just about any lab. Um, but. I don't know. I've always, I've liked the, the minks, you know, one familiarity with the product and then it's, um, all extravascular closure, which every, everyone says, everyone talks about. And a lot of my cases like end up being these yatrium cases, like elective IO work. And so uh, for the, for those procedures, you usually map them on one week and then you treat, you know, usually a week or two weeks later. And so, um, you know, constantly, not constantly, but frequently accessing or reaccessing the same groin site. And that's, that's never a problem with the mix. I mean, it, it, did you ever think about using the angioseal, by the way, Chris? Um, yeah, I'm used to the angioseal. I mean, sometimes if the minx is, a lot of times we'll run out of the minx, like we'll run out of a five French minx. And so I'll grab an angioseal and close them. Or if I'm at a lab that doesn't happen to have the minx in stock, I'll use the angioseal. Okay. It's not a problem. It's it's still a nice closure device and, and gets the job done. And, and actually, it, it's a it's a simpler closure device, um, admittingly. And uh, the the time to hemostasis is is you know, in, near instantaneous, which is not the case with the minx. Okay. So so right. ease of use and, and then how fast you achieve hemostasis. You know, the, the nod goes to the angioseal on that. Got it. So, Chris, have you thought about using any other devices? Uh, you know, I'm, um, for me, you know, I'm pretty happy with the Minx. Um, it's, it's not a very difficult closure device. There's a bit of a learning curve uh, for your cath lab. Um, but once everyone's kind of up to speed on it, it it's really not a problem. And, you know, for, for an IR doc, it, it just doesn't take all that long to get familiar with um, you know, the, the nuances of the device. I mean, it's, it's a little more complex with the angio seal, but you're still talking about a pretty low level of complexity. 
Um, and then as far as the other stuff that's out there, I'd be open to using the Angioseal. I've used some of the other products, like, you know, looking at Bagtable right now, like um, Exoseal is an all extravascular closure device, which I used in fellowship, which, you know, to be honest, like was, I think 20% of the time uh, there was a fail rate with that, that one. And then um, the other closure device is just not a whole lot of interest in it. Got it. Thanks, Chris. So over to you, Aaron. I mean, start with what you like about the NGO seal and, and, and go on from there. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Anish. You know, the, it, what I like about it is it's widely available and it's easy to use, quick to use. What I don't like about it is um, it's, it leaves a little um, bioabsorbable footplate in the vet, it leaves something in the vessel. That's what I don't like about it. So um, it makes me nervous in certain cases, like, uh, for example, if they have a high bifurcation where their um, superficial femoral artery comes off uh, a little bit higher than, than uh, you know, normal anatomy, you always want to look out for that when you're doing your, your angiogram. Um, then I'll just end up holding pressure. Uh, if the vessels are small, if it's like a young female with small vessels, then I'll, I'll just hold pressure. I won't, I won't put a... Uh, closure of ice in, or at least I won't use an angioseal. And if they have really heavy plaque burden, calcified plaque, then I definitely won't leave a uh, angioseal in place because, um, because of the risk of that foot plate um, kind of, you know, not, not staying in place. So those are the main reason. Those are the main times when I, I won't use it. Um, but again, I, I am interested to learn more about the minks because, um, you know, I would like to, to try a new device. And so I want to know uh, from Chris Beck sort of uh, why he uses the makes and, and, and you know, he, uh, my most curious about ease of use and, and his learning curve with it. Sure. So um, I close everybody. Um, you know, Aaron kind of referenced a couple of different patient populations that you may want to avoid vascular closure in, like, you know, uh, young people or uh, patients with uh, atherosclerotic plaque burden at the puncture site. Um, but for me, um, almost close everybody. I, I mean, I can't think of many, uh, like a, a situation in which I, I don't close my patients. Um, and, and that's because the, the Minx closure device, everything's extravascular. Um, the, the polyethylene glycol absorbent um, that, that gets deployed in the soft tissues and kind of adheres to the blood vessel it reabsorbs, uh, I think the packet brochure says, three or four weeks. And so, uh, you know, there's just not a whole lot of risk um, to uh, messing up the artery uh, with the vascular closure device. Yeah. Hey, hey, Chris, question for you. So the um, one downside I've heard about the minks is that if you do have somebody with a lot of plaque, um, mm-hmm. is that the balloon can actually rupture when, it, when you're pulling it up against the plaque um, and then you end up, you know, having to hold pressure. Have you ever had anything like that happen? Yeah, I've had the I've had the balloon rupture on me a handful of times, and I guess I don't know if it goes without si- saying or or maybe it needs to be said. I think all like m- anytime you're talking about vascular closure devices, like you got to mention uh, like you know uh, actually the vascular access portion. So you know if it's someone with high atherosclerotic plaque, and you can try sticking around or slightly above the atherosclerotic plaque. You know that's worth talking about, or just not sticking directly into densely calcified vessels. Um, but but all that being said, you know if, if you do have a patient with like a atherosclerotic plaque burden at the at the uh, CFA, 
Um, yeah, whenever you're whenever you're providing the back tension, uh, you know, you have to know a little bit about the mink. So whenever you whenever you put it in, like there's an intravascular portion, you inflate this balloon, and then you pull back on the balloon, and it'll catch your sheath. And then you pull back a little further, and the balloon is going to catch on the outside of the arteri or the inside of the vessel, so at your arteriotomy site. And so there, if you have some yeah. atherosclerotic plaque and, you, and you're providing like a, a healthy amount of back tension, the balloon can rupture. That's only half. Yeah. I mean, that being said, you know, uh, using this device a lot of times and on some people with some significant atherosclerotic disease, it's happened maybe twice. I mean, it's just, it's, 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 a, it's an issue, but it doesn't come up all that yeah. often. Right. Um, and then another question I have for you. So like for, for me, if I elect to hold pressure, I usually have the patient lay flat for six hours. If I do the angio seal, I, I cut that down to yeah, two out, two or three hours, usually two hours. Um, mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, what, what's your protocol? What yeah. You so, so if for some, yeah. So if I, for some reason I can't close, which, which is infrequent, but if I can't close, you know, leg straight uh, six hours down. And then if, ever, if I'm able to close with the minks, then I just do two hours leg straight for two hours, and uh, then they can hours, ambulate yeah. after that. So okay. I had a question for you guys. I mean, I, obviously, without getting into any specifics, you know, what's, what's like the worst thing that could happen if your, you know, closure device isn't performing as you might like it to? And what's the best thing that could happen if your closure device is just, you know, knocking it out of the park? I think I think this is a good one. Why don't, why don't you talk about the Andrew seal? Best case scenario and worst case scenario, Fritz. Right. So be, best case scenario is um, you get done with your procedure. You uh, you you change your sheath over the wire uh, that comes in the Andrew seal um, uh, package, and uh, you you insert the Andrew seal. And I mean, you can literally deploy the thing in like ten seconds. Um, and then and then I and then I you know I hold pressure. Uh, for, you know, probably about another 20, 30 seconds, uh, just light pressure while I feel the pulse. And I, you know, I clip the, the little shirt, the little suture. And as long as I don't see anything, you know, puffing up, then we're done. And, uh, and the patient, you know, uh, goes back to recovery and then they're late flat for two hours. And then they're, 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 you know, ambulate and go home or they go back to their inpatient room. Um, worst case scenario is, I, um, you know, the deployment doesn't go well. Um, what, what I've had happen is, is that you're pulling the back, you're pulling back tension on that suture as you're, as you're deploying it. And I've had it actually pull out, um, where I didn't quite know what was going on with the, uh, um, you know, where, where exactly the foot plate was left. Um, if it was intravascular, extravascular, um, now, you know, at that time I basically just hold pressure, uh, to, uh, to prevent a hematoma and then check distal pulses and make sure nothing embolized. But, um, in that, I think that I've had that happen once. And, and in that case, it seemed as though, um, it was extravascular because it pulled out. Um, so I don't know if it, you know, tore a hole in the, in the vessel wall or anything, but it didn't seem to, you know, I, I, we held pressure for 20 minutes and it, and it seemed fine. Now, I mean, you can still, you know, it's very, very rare, but you can develop a pseudoaneurysm afterwards. Um, I have seen that happen after a cardiologist used the angioseal, um, but, uh, you know, you can, you can fix those percutaneously. 
So uh, the other, I mean, the, wor- the other worst case scenario is that you cause an occlusion. So the, that little um, foot plate uh, either embolizes or it causes, you know, local thrombosis uh, in the vessel wall, uh, at the vessel in the common femoral artery. But I've, I've never seen that happen. I've heard, I've heard that that's potential, but I've never seen that happen. So what is, but what is it about the angiocele? And again, you guys may have said it, and I could have missed it here. So if if I did, just let me know. But what is it specifically about? Is that what you're talking about? Is that general to all closure devices, or what is it about the angiocele that makes that a possibility? Because it, because something is left inside. There's a mm-hmm. there's a foot plate that's left inside the vessel wall. Um, uh, so it kind of cinches. It pulls the, the the vessel wall towards the collagen plug, so it kind of sandwiches the vessel wall so that you get hemostasis. Versus okay. what what Beck's talking about is there's an intravascular balloon instead of a foot plate. There's an intravascular balloon that helps pull the wall against the collagen plug, and then once that collagen plug uh, is covering the the vessel wall on the outside of the vessel, then you deflate the balloon and pull it out. Yeah, so right. it's the difference of it's the difference of like uh, you know we always talk about it intravascular versus anything uh, intravascular versus extravascular with the mink grip you know it's all extravascular closure I mean the balloon is there temporarily but at the end it comes out and then the minks I'm sorry with the angioseal you know the foot plate even even when it's closed appropriately you leave that little foot plate on the inside. So, I mean, you know, digging that a little further in software, we talk about, you know, sometimes a user will see something in an application and be like, hey, why is that that way? You know, and they'll call it a bug when actually it was just like a feature, something that somebody built that way. I mean, is this a, is this a feature of the NGF seal or is this a bug? You know, is this a defect? Is this a flaw? You know, there's just a natural consequence of how they designed it. Yeah, I mean, that's just how they designed it. It's not, um, I mean, you know, like we, like, like we said, there are pros to it where it's, it's faster to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's very rare that you get a complication from it. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a, a defect. It's just, that's just the way it's yeah. it designed, you know? Yeah. Agreed. I think it's just, it's just the way that it's designed. There's some pros to it. I, mean, I think Aaron, Aaron said it like, you know, time to closure. I mean, what it takes you 30 seconds. And then, yeah. you know, the downside is the potential, I mean, you could say it's rare. It's rare that you have like the foot plate embolize or cause thrombosis. It's extremely rare. Yeah, yeah, I mean the data says it's extremely rare. Even yeah. developing a hematoma is like one to three percent. So um, it, it's it's very rare, and uh, we're just commenting on it because it's the major difference between that and and these other devices. Chris, you want to talk a little bit the best and worst case similarly with the banks? Sure. So best case scenario, you know, normal minx deployment um, takes me three minutes. Um, there's diff- different. There's a couple different steps to it, but overall it takes about two minutes to deploy, and then I add one more minute, like I'll hold pressure for a minute. And so best case scenario, three-minute closure time, and then the patient goes back to the room or recovery area, and then I do um, bed rest for two hours. Um, we're in, and, th- and this is my thing. So the, the worst case scenario with the minx closure device is it fails and then you're just kind of back to square one and you just hold pressure maybe as you would if, if you just decided not to close the patient so um if the balloon ruptures then whatever you don't deploy the col- or, uh, the polyethylene glycol plug and so you hold pressure or if you know you thought you had an adequate deployment but you developed like a hematoma anyway then you just hold pressure and then leg straight bed rest uh six hours 
for for these scenarios where the times get extended. I mean, what are the what are the implications of that ultimately in terms of if I if something goes wrong or neither device and now the procedure is extended, like can you can one of you guys walk me through how that unfolds and who that affects in terms of you know people inside the organization and out and you know time, money, materials, et cetera? Um, you know, for, for us, like the, the thing that jumped in, into my head immediately is that, you know, the difference between the Minks closure and then actually holding pressure, you know, so it takes me, you know, three minutes for the Minks, uh, the Minks grip closure. And then it's about, a, I ask my, I don't hold pressure myself, but I have the text to it. It's a 15 minute, um, it's a 15 minute uh, 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 time to hold Ordeal. pressure. Oh, yeah. What's that? Ordeal, really. I mean, because you're holding up the room. You know, yeah, they, exactly. And, and, and it's holding can... up cath lab time. And then on top of that, so if you close them, it's three minutes and back to recovery for two hours and then ambulate and go home. So it's, a, and then if you, if you have to hold pressure, then, you know, it ties up their post-op recovery period. You know, it's like bed rest for six hours. They can't go home. It's a major, it's a, it's a major patient dissatisfier. Like they don't want to lay there for that long. Yeah. Like, well, at six hours, pe- people are ready to go and, and ready to start moving. Right, yeah, which so, is why there's this whole uh, push for radio access nowadays uh, because of increased patient comfort. Patients really like uh, it when you use their radio artery for access rather than their, their femoral artery. Because um, they can get home sooner, but, basically. Yeah, yeah, they can walk, They can get up and walk. I mean, they just wear a radio band and check for complications afterwards. But uh, there's, a, there's a big uh, push for radio, or a lot of physicians... Uh, touting uh, radio access nowadays. That's, that's like a topic in and of itself that like, I mean, okay. yeah. like right. oh, tons of VU Medi and, yeah. and uh, new radio. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, there are physicians out there, their IR docs are just making their whole career on the same old procedures, just radial access. I mean, just to, to round that out, because it's really interesting actually from a, from a layperson's perspective and put me in a ballpark of how much that room's worth, you know, per hour, like what's, you know, if you think about all the folks that are in it, maybe the techs, the nurses, and you know, what's or, or you know the the time value of however many procedures you're going to do in a day, what's a room worth per hour? You want to speak to that, Fritz? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's expensive, you know. So, I mean, it, let's you know, one case might not set you back too far, but I mean, if it's you know three or four back to back, then yeah, it's uh, it, it extends everybody's hours. I mean, you know, that's that's a whole another case that you, you a few cases you probably could have fit in, you know, with that time. So it definitely is a when when you can use it, um, you know, it definitely increases your your daily efficiency. Um, now, one device over another. I think there, it's probably a wash, but um, in terms of using a device versus holding pressure, there's there's definitely a significant difference. So if you're going to choose a device, you want one that has a good success rate um, and uh, you know good deploy deployment rate. Um, and so that's uh, yeah. But I think that Backtable helps uh, you make that decision. You know, you go you on to Backtable.com and there's. We have uh, five or six devices on there, and um, you know they're all they all have ratings at this point, so and, and some good comments. So uh, if you're if you're trying to decide one over over the other, then um, check it out at backtable.com. It's a good segue, uh, Doctor Fritz, and, and I think to to run out the point. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Again, you got you know as a physician, you're going to make this decision. To, you know, to, certainly with the best patient care in mind, um, and and as 
you know, as a physician and as someone else in the chain, I mean, you got, you get other you get factors, which either reinforce that same decision or, you know, uh, I'm not saying there's other factors to consider, but there's a lot of factors that go into patient care because, you know, it's interesting what you said. I mean, the, the difference between two hours and six hours of recovery is actually huge and the impact of somebody's life. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that's making yeah. your kids a little league game and not making the little league game, you know, after your procedure or whatever it is. Um, and, and I think for, you know, if you look at a lot of these procedure rooms, like little factories in a sense, you know, there's a, there's a time value to each slot in the factory. And it's, it's easy to miss that because, you know, we're one person providing one procedure, but as you aggregate that over time, it's like you said, you know, the doing the holding pressure versus using the device, that's a clear difference, but any one device, maybe it's a little bit of a wash, but I think that's what comes in is like, what's the rate of having to hold pressure say for using a given device and how many times you're seeing that as you roll that up to the bigger picture for an administrator or for somebody, you know, in the, uh, content or in the, you know, the healthcare delivery network. Um, those are the types of decisions that I think also start to come into play. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, to echo that point, like the, the cost analysis of, of using these vascular closure devices, cause they come with a cost, but it's like, ultimately what is the room cost? But, you know, for me, um, you know, part of it is, is like the, the team's time and my time, yeah. um, is like, how, how much longer do I want to be in the room? How much longer does the team need to be in the room? Like, can we turn it over a little bit quicker and get a couple more cases? And then ultimately, you know, it's better for the patient. Like they, they would much prefer like a two hour recovery time as opposed to six. Um, and, and then to talk to the point about, um, we kind of talked a little bit about worst case scenario and best case scenario for, uh, minks versus angioseal and Aaron kind of referenced like what patient population, he might have some hesitancy in deploying the angioseal, right? Aaron, like there's a handful, like maybe like a young, like trauma patient. You might not, you might not close them. You may opt to hold right. pressure. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even in trauma patients, a lot, a lot of times they want to keep an art line in, so it's sure, kind of convenient to just send them up with a sheet. But um, like I did one just a few days ago, it was that splenic trauma that I that I posted um, where I'd used the angio seal because the guy was on um, uh, he was on Plavix, I believe, and mm-hmm. so and and he was pretty stable, so I elected to pull the sheet and use the angio seal. Um, and, uh, and it was really fast and effective. So it worked out great. Well, I guess like the, the point I was actually getting at is like, you know, I've had some, um, some colleagues or some old attendings who they just would much prefer, you know, to them, the gold standard was holding pressure. And so they're like, why would you close them if you could just hold pressure? You know, that's, that's safer for the patient. That's what I do for like a family member. I, I, I really moved away from that. I mean, you know, in my mind, the worst case scenario with the minks is, you know, the device fails and then you're back to holding pressure anyway. So why not close them up? It's all extravascular. It's, it's a couple extra steps, like admittingly a little bit higher complexity compared, compared to the angioseal, but you know, nothing like an IR guy couldn't figure out by like, you know, watching, watching one of the tutorials online or just having the rep come by and show you and, you know, demo it for you. Right. Um, we're, and I just thought of some as you were talking about the, one of the other advantages I think of the, of the minks is, um, being able to go back into that vessel, correct? Because mm-hmm. with the, with the angio seal, um, once you put that place, that foot plate in there, you, they, they say, you know, basically I was always taught not to reaccess that. So let's say, you know, it is like a trauma patient or some, some patient that needs, you know, GI bleed, you know, you, you, sure. 
you evaluated it, you didn't see a bleed, but then they rebleed later, you know, later that night or something. Well, you then you're you can't really go back in and access that common femoral artery. You have to go to the other side. Um, you and that's the way I was taught with the Andrew Seal. Now, what, how does that work with the minks? So the minks, I mean, you can you can definitely reaccess basically as, as soon as you want to. So, but you have to kind of see one deployed first. I mean, whenever you whenever you deploy the uh, minks, what happens is there's a little polyethylene glycol uh, or PEG polyethylene glycol polymer that you deploy on top of the vessel. And it's, it's very thin, but once it goes in, like it mixes with some of the patient's own like uh, platelets, and then it swells, so it feels like a little hematoma right underneath the groin, and, and it kind of, but it, it feels a little bit harder. But you can access through that polymer. You know, I've done it within the week. The, the times that I think about that that come up the most with my practice are you know the Y ninety treatments where I'll I'll map them on one day and then treat you know next week, and so I'll close them for the mapping. And then when I have them back for the treatment Y90, I'll access in the exactly the same spot. Now you can feel the needle kind of going through it, like it kind of changes the tactile sensation of accessing the femoral artery, which I guess is in the you know more and more people are accessing with ultrasound, but I, I still palpate. Um, it, it changes the tactile feel a little bit, but you know it's it's not a problem to access through the minks. Okay, well, that's good to know. Guys, I think we, uh, we we covered a lot here on closure devices. I do have one question. Um, Aaron, I was looking on the Backtable app, and I wanted to pull up closure devices. If I've got it right, I want to add that category to my homepage, and then I can access. Is that right? Can you, can you talk me through that for a second? Yeah, so when you sign in to the Backtable uh, app, it, it prompts you to choose your most uh, your cat- the categories that you want to see essentially on your dashboard. And, um, so yeah, you would, you know, if you want that to be part of the, the, your most commonly, you know, used, uh, device categories, then you click on, uh, closure devices and then you hit next, and then it'll ask you to prompt you for some reviews and you hit next. And then whenever, when you click on devices at the bottom, um, of your app, then you'll see closure devices there. Oh, nice. Okay. So that's how I can pull it up readily. And I guess at this point now, I mean, if, you know, if, if I'm out, let's just say I decide tomorrow to become an IR doc, um, I can pull up the Backtable app and start, you know, reading about closure devices and everything in there, right? Yes. Yeah, cool. it's all fully uh, visible and functional if you want to re- write a review. Um, or even what I've been doing is posting uh, photos under the devices. Um, so I just posted a photo of a, a use using an Amplatzer plug the other day, and I've been posting some of my bone marrow biopsy samples. Um, so I encourage uh, users to do the same. That way we get some good, uh, some good cases on there, good info for reference. So you, you're, what you're saying is you can add stuff that isn't just reviews now. I mean, you can add photos or are you saying you can augment your reviews? Or you can add it separately. You can, you can add it separately. Um, so if you pull up a device, for example, the Amplatzer, um, at the very top of the device page, it'll say, upload your own photo click on that and then it it tags the photo to that device okay. so that if anybody else wants to see uh there's then a, a a separate tab that says all photos underneath the device and you click on that and you can see all the uh, every gotcha. user's um yeah tagged photos um cool. which is nice because you know people have great examples of using some of these devices Wait. All right. Well, Chris, Aaron, Dr. Fritz, Dr. Beck, thanks, fellas. It's a great podcast. 
It's good having yeah, you guys on. Thanks for ha- yeah, thanks, Anish. Thanks for having us. Of course. Time. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Anish.